seated. Well, welcome to World Changers Church, Houston. We're glad that you made it on tonight. We're going to go ahead and dive right into the Word. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18, and we'll go uh, through and up to verse 19. Um, we've been talking about the fact that we are the righteous. Amen. Say that with me. Say, I am. The righteousness, the righteousness of God. And we began a few weeks back talking about the sequence of the life of a believer uh, and the importance of understanding this. Uh, it's, it's so many different important things, but one of the primary things that we want to discover, or I want you to discover in this process, is the proper place as it relates to your good works. Um, good works have their place in the body of Christ, but it's not where many people think they should go in the sequence. When I was younger and before hearing the gospel of grace or the, the gospel which is grace, I always thought that my good behavior had to precede my salvation. Here's what I mean by that always thought that I had to be good enough for God to accept me, good enough for God to want me, good enough uh, to be saved. And once I was good enough, then I would believe on him and receive him, and then I had to stay good enough to stay saved. Anybody else been like that, or is it just me? Amen, yeah. And as I studied the gospel of grace, I've seen that we've had things out of sequence or out of order. Uh, good works, like I said, have their place in the body of Christ, but it's not where we have traditionally thought it was. So on Sunday, we wrote this out, and I'll go to this on the board. Uh, we wrote this out here where we begin to lay out this actual sequence. And the first thing we saw was that we have indeed the love of God. Somebody say God's love. And God's love, uh, according to John 3, 16, it says, for God so loved the world that he did what? He gave who? Yeah, and what's his name? Yeah, Jesus. So God so loved the world, he gave us Jesus. This, as it says here, this is what God did for us. And when he gave us Jesus, who we studied out uh, on um, Sunday, who is grace, amen, John, I think it's one uh, 14 says he's, he was full of grace and full of truth. And when you study that out, it says he was permeated uh, with grace. So Jesus indeed is grace. God gave us grace and it's by grace, according to Ephesians 2, 8, 9, that we're saved. It's by his unmerited favor, undeserved favor that we're saved. It's not by what we can do. It's by what Jesus has already done. If you understand that, say amen. So Jesus was sent because God loved us and he sacrificed his life for you and I. Now, when he sacrificed his life, the meaning behind that was that he was the ultimate and perfect sacrifice for our sins. The problem was we were disconnected from God because of sin. And that sin condition had to be solved by the sacrifice of Jesus. He became the perfect sacrifice 
having fulfilled the law, not having any sin, that's what made him the perfect sacrifice. As a result, he shed his blood and his blood purchased us and gave us forgiveness. If you understand that so far, say amen. Now, this is God's love. This is Jesus who is grace. This is Jesus sacrificing and this is God giving the forgiveness. This is all what God did for us. Did you notice there's nothing for us to do in that process? It's God and Jesus. As the scripture said, you know, he reconciled us to himself by himself. We have nothing to do with that part of the process. Our part comes here in step five when we have to believe. Believe on what? You've heard it a million times. You should believe on who? Jesus. Well, what does that mean? You should believe on, where's Jesus at in here? Grace, the sacrifice. You're believing that Jesus, unearned and unmerited uh, favor, came in your life, and as a result, he sacrificed himself, and you're forgiven. That's what you're believing. You're not just believing in a God. You're not just believing that Jesus is Lord. You're believing that Jesus sacrificed his life and as a result, he forgave, he forgave your sins by his blood and as a result, you're right with God. That's what you're saying, I believe. And somebody might say, why are you taking this, this much time to break that down? Because you know how many people have gone their entire Christian lives and don't really know what they're saying they believe in? They, they know about God's love. They know about grace. They know about the sacrifice, but, but they haven't put it all together to say, oh, I'm believing in what God did for me and what Jesus did on the cross. That's what you're believing in. And the Bible says if you believe in these one, two, three, four things, you're saved. Now, when we talked about this on Sunday, we said all of this the love of God, grace, and sacrifice, and forgiveness as well, all of those four things are indeed that, for lack of a better word, cross experience. Amen? So, you've heard me say a bunch of times, and you know some people don't like it, but it's the truth. This experience has been settled. I'll say that again. That experience has been settled. There is nothing else for you to do regarding the cross. Jesus did it all. There's nothing for you to do concerning the love of God. There's nothing for you to do concerning grace. There's nothing for you to do concerning his sacrifice. There's nothing for you to do anymore to be forgiven. It's finished. That's when Jesus went up on there and said, it is finished. Why is that important? Because too many believers are stuck at the cross. They're still trying to be forgiven. But I got, you don't understand, I just cut somebody out. I got to be forgiven. You don't understand, I was drinking the other day. You don't understand. No, you don't understand that by grace were you saved through your faith, it applies to you. And now you are the righteousness of God. That's settled. It's finished. Now we have the joyous task of getting up and living out our lives as saints, 
people who have been forgiven, people who are the righteousness of God, people who are sons and daughters of God, who now have a responsibility here on earth. And I got good news for you today. Your responsibility has nothing to do with you. Your responsibility has nothing to do with maintaining your salvation. You are not responsible for keeping your car washed. That's God's job. You're not responsible for maintaining, you know, uh, oh, I got I to gotta make sure I, I do this and do that and do this and do that. Why? So, so I can stay right with God. Your righteousness had nothing to do with your actions before you got saved. And your righteousness has nothing to do with your actions after you're saved. If you understand that so far, say amen. amen. So this is just a little recap. All right. So now let's go back to uh, where were we at? First Peter 1, 18. Uh, yeah, we'll do 18 and we'll go up to 19. It says, for you know that God did what? Paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. Verse 19. And it was not paid with what? Mere gold or silver, which lose their value. Next verse. It was the precious blood of Christ. The sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Now, why is it important that Peter's pointing out here that he was sinless and spotless? Well, it was what we just said. If he had sinned and he wasn't spotless, it would not have been a worthy sacrifice and therefore you wouldn't be forgiven. But because the sacrifice was perfect, your forgiveness is complete. I'll say that again. Because the sacrifice was perfect, your forgiveness is completed. As long as the sacrifice remains perfect, your forgiveness will be completed. And as long as your forgiveness stays complete, your righteousness remains intact. Your righteousness is dependent upon the blood of Jesus. Your righteousness is dependent upon the sacrifice. If the sacrifice was no good, then you couldn't be righteous because the sacrifice wouldn't have took. You understand that? Remember when Cain went and he offered an, uh, uh, um, a sacrifice to God and it didn't take? But then Abel offered a sacrifice and it took? Jesus was a worthy sacrifice for your sins and therefore you're good to go. We have to reprogram ourselves and rewire ourselves to understand that we have nothing to do with that process but just to believe in it. But people say, you know what? Hey, I have to do something. You, you're doggone right. There is something we're supposed to do, but we hadn't got there yet. We haven't got to that part yet because it's later on down in here. So now I'm the righteousness. Oh, sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself. So uh, it was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. So his blood was the currency, not gold, not silver, not diamonds, not whatever else. His blood was the money that bought you. Go back to the beginning of verse 18 so we can see this a little closer. And now let's go into the Amplified. For you know that God paid a ransom, is what the New Living Translation says. 
And the Amplified breaks this down uh, even more. When I, when I have to pay a ransom, that's for somebody who's been captured. That's for somebody being held hostage. You must know, recognize that you were redeemed, ransomed from the useless, fruitless, uh-oh, way of living inherited by tradition from your forefathers, not with corruptible things such as silver or gold, keep going, but you were purchased with the precious blood of Christ, the Messiah, like that of a sacrificial lamb without blemish or spot. Now, uh, go back, I just, we, I just saw something in um, uh, 18, go back uh, two slides, one more. Yeah, from the useless and fruitless way of living. Now you ought to underline that and highlight that because that's very important. Because here we've been saying there was no work for me to do and then we look at this scripture and it's pointing out something It's saying, listen, you were rescued, you were redeemed, you were ransomed from a useless and fruitless way of living. Well, what does that mean? When I did not have the Holy Spirit on the inside of me, I could not produce the fruit of love. See, that's why we got to stop being mad at sinners for sinning. We got to be, stop being mad at sinners for not acting like God. They don't have him on the inside. They have fruitless lives because they don't have the root that produces the fruit. The root that produces the fruit of love is the Holy Ghost, is God. And until you get saved, you don't have the right root to produce the fruit. That's why I said it is impossible for you to act right to become righteous. You don't have right if you will, on the inside of you. And if I don't have right on the inside of me to produce right in that sense to make me right with God is not possible. That's why I need to hear because some good news because now that's, that's a pretty hopeless way of living, isn't it? I can't produce right. I can't be made right. Oh my goodness, I'm wrong with God and I'll just forever be wrong with God. And that's when you show up, the believer, that's when you show up, the son and daughter of God and says, yes, you can't be right on your own, but let me tell you about a man. His name is Jesus and he is grace and he sacrificed himself for you who could never be right with God on your own. And now you're made right through his rightness. And now, if you believe in that, you'll be saved from a life that's useless, unable to, to produce the right fruit. And that then takes all the pressure off of that person who's been thinking their lives are just condemned forever to understand that through the sacrifice of Jesus, I've been made right with God. And this all happened by the blood. And man, when the Holy Spirit showed me this thing about the blood, I really slowed down and paid attention to it because there are so many things that we look at this uh, topic of righteousness and this awesome thing that God did and we don't see that there was a legit exchange that actually took place. His blood physically ran on this earth. This wasn't just a spiritual thing that happened. There was a real God who was God in the flesh and his name was Jesus that hung on a real cross and shed real blood to take away our real problem of sin. 
And as a result, we were really made righteous with God. So that natural thing took place and transformed us spiritually on the inside. And as a result, we are now living physically on earth, spiritually right with God. But it was legitimately by real physical blood that was worthy of the sacrifice. So don't think you're just believing in fairy tales. Don't think you're just believing in uh, imaginary things. There was a redemption process. There was a reconciliation that went on that secured your righteousness. If you understand that, say amen. Let's look at this a little closer. Uh, go with me to uh, 1 Corinthians 7.23. 1 Corinthians 7.23. Read this myth with me. Ready, read. You were bought with a price, purchased with a preciousness, and paid for, now by who? By your mama? By your daddy? By your pastor? By your old pastor? You're Christ. You belong to him. He purchased your life. Uh, let's keep going. Then do not yield. You see what it says now? Because you're his, then do not yield yourselves up to become, in your own estimation, slaves to men. Why? Because they don't own you. Why are you worried about what they think? Why are you worried about what they got to say? They don't own you. But consider yourselves slaves to who? Christ. Why? Because his blood gave you a life worth living. His blood gave you a life. Without his blood, you would be living a useless, fruitless life. That's why we praise him. That's why we thank him. That's why we worship him. Because we didn't buy ourselves, nor did anyone else. There was only one person who loved us enough to get up on a cross and shed his blood, and that was Jesus. Now, somebody may say, well, I hear what you're saying, Archie, but how valuable is the blood? Um, something dawned on me, and I, I saw this online, and it's so true. Uh, first of all, you got to understand that nothing can change the value of blood. When you're looking at currency and an exchange rate, uh, you know, dollar changes, gold changes, silver changes, platinum changes, but the blood of God remains 100% equal and greater than your sin. It's a forever currency. It's an eternal currency. It's not like you go to heaven and all of a sudden the blood loses its value, you become sinners and end up in hell. I don't get to the gate and Peter's like, you know what? Blood is down 2%, so you, didn't, you ain't gonna make it in. No, blood maintains its value and blood is greater than sin. Oh, but what if, I, what if I just cut somebody out? Blood is still greater than sin. What if I commit adultery? Blood is still greater than sin. Archie, are you saying that I can just sin? Uh -uh, that's a whole other message we're going to get into. That's not what I'm saying. 
But I am saying this, that that sin will not trump the blood. Now, there are consequences to your sins on earth. Go out there and run and do, I mean, go out there and do 90 on six and you will see exactly what I'm saying. You can't plead the blood over the speed limit. Don't try to plead the blood over all the courts. That's why you got the Holy Ghost living on the inside of you so you can produce fruit that matches your root. But as it says in 1 John 2, 1, but if you do sin, you have an advocate with the Father. So you don't have to live a life in fear. You don't have to live a life in what if no more. What if I just lose it? My husband just, he just pushed that right button and I just haul off and throw something at him. Am I going to hell? Am I, am I, am I, am I messed up with God now? Uh-uh, on the blood. The blood has its value. And see, that's the good news. So it doesn't, it doesn't mean we just go do whatever we want to do like that. But it does mean that I don't have to be afraid that if I make a mistake, that the blood is going to lose its value. What does that song say? It will never lose its, I'll say, buying power. The blood has purchased you. One drop of the blood is enough to cleanse all your sins. I got good news. He shed a whole lot more than a drop. Put one drop of that worthy blood. Now you can bleed all over the floor. It wouldn't be enough. We could all get together and give all our blood. It wouldn't be enough. You got a donor who gave his blood for you. And as a result, you're right with God. I'm trying to build your faith up with truth that you are right with God. Not because of your actions, but because you believe in what the blood has done in your life. If you believe, say amen. amen. 1 Corinthians 7.23 Is that what I told you to go earlier? Okay. Let's go back there. It says, you were bought with the price, purchased with preciousness, and paid for by Christ. Then do not use yourselves up to become, in your own estimation, slaves of men, but consider yourselves slaves to Christ. Uh, go to 24. So, brethren, in whatsoever station or state or condition of life, each uh, one was when he was called, uh, there let him continue with and close to God. Let him continue with and close to God. Your righteousness is settled. Now what we're supposed to do is be continuing with and close to God. On the board, we have that represented as, Lord, what is your will for my life? So when I say get up from the cross and get going with God, that means get up from your issue of thinking you're not forgiven and righteous and get with God because he has things for you to do. I'll say that, Lord. He's trying to make some of y'all rich so that you can finance things in the kingdom. But you don't think you're worthy enough. So you're sitting in doubt, you're sitting in unbelief, and you're sitting in fear, and you're battling this every other week. And then you come to church and we jack you up with some good faith, but then you go back out and then you get beat up enough and then you come back and he's trying, every week he's trying to give you wisdom 
by the Holy Ghost on what to do in this natural world to get your, excuse my expression, I got to say it the way it came to my head, uh, to get your bag, and as a result, but, but you, can't, you can't do that because of the result of the doubt and the fear. You can't hear him. And then you go and pray, Lord, bless me, Lord, help me. And he's like, I'm trying. But you're still stuck at thinking you're not forgiven. And it's time for you to continue with and close to me. The blood did its job. You cost an entire son. You cost an entire son of God. You thought that dress was expensive. You thought that house was expensive. You cost Jesus. We ain't got enough credit to cover a Jesus. <laughs> ain't enough loans you can take out to cover a Jesus. The interest on a Jesus would kill you. You cost a Jesus, but the repayment is zero. He says, all you need to do is believe. See, this is important because somebody would say, well, why would I want to know his will? Why would I want to live for God? Why would I? I love him because he first loved me. I live for him because he died for me. We become close to God and continue with God simply because we choose to. He'll never make you. But my God, your life will never be the same. When you do more than just choose to be saved, when you choose to follow the will of God for your life. Can I go off script and just show you this for a second? Go to Romans uh, 12 chapter, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, and we'll look at verse 1 and 2. I'm going to show you this. Uh, go to just 2. Go to 2. It says, do not be conformed to this world, this age. Don't be fashioned after and adopted to its external and superficial customs. Well, if I'm not supposed to do that, what I'm supposed to do? But be ye transformed. Okay, sounds good. Changed in what way? By the entire renewal of your mind. I get saved, but something has to happen. My mind has to go through a transformation process. Well, wait a minute. I thought I was supposed to instantly just think like Christ. No, 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 no. The old you has some residue that's still there, and it, it causes some scrubbing that has to take place. Amen? You know when you scrub a database and you get all the duplicates out and you get all the wrong information out and get the right information in? That's what, that's what happens when God transforms and renews your mind. He takes out the old stuff and he puts in the right stuff. Or another way to look at it is, you ever had a, uh, uh, for your iPhone or your Android phone, when you need to do an update and it replaces the old software with the new software? Because what will happen if you leave the old software in there? What's going to happen to your phone? 
And we got believers that's crashing all over the place because they're still operating off the old software. They're still operating off the last year's update. Why, why don't you update your phone? Oh, it just take too long. It take too long. I'm lazy. It take too long. I'm too busy. It take too long. I don't have Wi-Fi. I don't go to church. I don't have the right connection. I'm not where God told me to be. And so the, 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 the update keeps getting interrupted. I church hop. I'm not talking about y'all. I'm just talking about somebody. That's not for condemnation. That's just to help people understand. Because again, salvation has been settled. But we got to stop playing church and start trying to figure out why is manifestation delayed in my life? Because you're the healed right now. I say you're the healed right now. You're prosperous right now. You're delivered right now. And I want to start seeing some right now manifestation in your life. But sometimes there are barriers that we're unaware of that we allow to keep us from that manifestation. Everything good for your life has already been made. But in order to end up at the same location as the manifestation of God's blessing for your life requires following his will or another word is his way. Another natural word for his way is his road map for your life. There's a map for your life to run into all the blessing that you need for God's will to be done in your life. But if you don't get the right upload, you won't hear him. Not because you're a bad person, not because all of a sudden salvation is not working. There's a disconnect. And here's the simple solution to that. Be ye transformed by the entire renewing of your mind, by its new ideals. You had old ideals and now there's new ones. And it's new attitude. You had an old attitude and now there's a new one. Why? Why would I want to have this upload and this change? So that you may prove for yourselves what is the good an acceptable and perfect will, number six, of God. I won't be able to see and know and prove his will until he transforms my mind. You've been thinking all this time you needed to work harder, and I'm telling you, you need to literally hear from him harder. You need to submit to him more. And allow him to transform you, and he will gladly tell you his will. And then it says, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect, now check this out in the brackets, in his sight for you. There's a specific purpose. There's a specific will. There's a specific design that God has for you and only you. And you don't have to spend the next 17 years trying to figure it out. You don't have to go to eight more seminars and, 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 and to figure it out. You don't have to go to five more prophets to figure it out. The one who prophesies lives on the inside of you. 
and he's trying to tell you what to do, but you have to allow him to transform your thinking. The key to knowing God's will for your life is literally saying, Lord, transform me. Lord, transform me. Change the way I think. Let God do his job in your life. I, I, I uh, said something, I think it was on Sunday, and we were talking about um, people going out and trying to witness, but then kind of beating up sinners and attacking their sin, not realizing their sin is attached to them because they're sinners. And then they wonder why the sinner gets offended. It's because you, you're attacking the sin, but you're attacking them. Because they don't know no better. So we find ourselves trying to do God's job. He never told us to go judge sin. He never told us to go condemn or convict or punish the sin. He judged it. He convicted and condemned. All that went on the back of Jesus. But we try to do God's job. And so it is here. We still try to do God's job. I'm going to read more scripture so that I can change the way I think. I'm going to go study this so I can grow in God. I'm going to go do this. And God's like, I didn't tell you to do all of that. You're trying to do my job. Just come to me. And if I want you to go read that, if I want you to go do this, I'll tell you. But I'll tell you, some of the most impactful moments that I've had that's transformed my thinking has been simply sitting and hearing from the Father. Didn't cost me a dime. It just costed my humility. My willingness to sit down and say, Lord, just like the blood is valuable enough, your voice is more valuable than any other voice or any other thing that I can do. So I'm going to sit at your feet, God, and just hear from you. And I'm not talking against school. I went to school. I'm not talking against other uh, seminars or TV or things or whatever like that. All that's great, but it needs to be secondary to what is God saying. Sometimes we itch for something in the natural. So we'll find something spiritual that matches what we believe and we'll go after that and say, well, Lord, this is what this is for somebody. We'll say, Lord, this is, this is what you're telling me to do. And he's like, uh-uh, I'm trying to get you to hear me first. That was the second or that was the fourth thing I was going to tell you to go to. Number one was come sit with me for about 10 or 12 hours. Straight? No, not straight. <laughs> but come and rest with me and, and I'll, I'll download my curriculum into you. Because this revelation, they don't even have this yet. And I'm trying to give you something that that person don't even have yet. Because I got something that I've designed for you to do. I got something in my sight for you. But we become delayed to what he has for us because we still try to get in there and do his job. We have to make a decision that the blood was enough, that his ability to transform us is enough. We have to make a decision to finally rest, y'all. I know we've been taught for years and years and years that we got to do something. And I'm here to tell you, it's time to rest. 
Somebody say rest. Go to 1 Corinthians uh, 6.19. Are you getting some out of this? It says, do you know that your body is the temple, the very sanctuary of the Holy Spirit who lives within you, whom you have received as a gift from God? You have the Holy Spirit as a gift from God. Then it says it right here. You are not your own. According to the scripture, who am I? Whose am I? I'm Christ. Uh, keep going. You were bought with a price, purchased with the preciousness and paid for, uh, made his own. So because of that, then honor God and bring glory to him in your body. Now, again, look at the sequence of this. I honor God and bring glory to him in my body when? After I've been saved. Now, I'm not saying you just going again, if you're not saved, if you know you may have family or whatever, they just should go and do anything with their body. What I'm saying is, is it takes the good one on the inside of you or the right one on the inside of you for you to produce naturally right things. So again, if you know someone or if you're ministering to someone who is doing wrong with their body, don't come hitting them with this scripture. This ain't for them. This is what they do after. Somebody say after. after. After they get saved. Your job is to teach them one through five. Your job is to take them to the cross and say, you're forgiven. You were bought with a price. So honor God and bring glory to him with your body. Okay, let's move on. So after... All of this, I got to rest. Go to Hebrews 4.11. Let's look at this real quick. I think we've covered that other part good enough. Hebrews 4.11. Uh, go to King James first, and then we'll come back to these, because this is, I want to really, really, really make sure we get this tonight. It says, let us labor. Now, here's one of the first times we see our work. We've been talking about Jesus' work, his blood, God's work, everybody else's work. Now we finally seeing something we supposed to do. Amen. How many of y'all ready to work? Like three of y'all. Okay, the rest of y'all is like, I just got off of work. I'm not, I don't want to work no more. Let us labor, work, therefore, to enter into that rest. What? I got to work to rest? Lest any man fall after the same example of what? Unbelief. We're supposed to work to do what? Now, we're going to go back a couple of scriptures. Let me see how far back I want to go because I want to show you. Because, you know, once you start studying this, you, you'd be wanting to read the whole, whole thing. I think we're going to read this, this one, though. Go to verse uh, 1. In four, yeah. We're going to walk up with this one. Uh, and then go to the New Living Translation. Because I want you to see about this rest. So I'm spending, we spend all that time showing you, listen, you're the righteousness of God, you're good to go, he's going to transform your thinking, all that type of stuff. So here's the beginning of what you do. God promise, God's promise of entering to his, what does that say? 
rest still stands. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. Keep going. For this good news, what's the good news? The gospel, which is the word, who is Jesus, who is grace. This good news, for this good news, that God has prepared this rest. Wait a minute. The good news is the word. The good news is the gospel. The good news is the truth. The good news is a person. The good news is Jesus. And God has prepared this rest. The rest is Jesus. The rest is the good news. The rest is there's nothing for you to earn. The rest is there's nothing for you to do. The rest is that you're the righteousness of God. You need to rest. You need to rest. You need to rest in the fact that Jesus has done it all. What Jesus did is what you're resting on. That's the good news. You're resting on the good news that Jesus did all the work. Jesus is your rest. That God has prepared this rest has been announced to us just as it was to them. But it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. The Amplified says it this way. For indeed, we have had the glad tidings, gospel, capital G, of God, proclaimed to us just as truly as they, the Israelites of old, did. So the Israelites heard this, and now he's saying, you're hearing it. When the good news of deliverance from bondage came to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because it was not mixed with faith. With the leaning on, sorry, the leaning of the entire personality on God and absolute trust and confidence in his power, in his wisdom, and in his goodness by those who heard it. In, uh, ital in, in italics, it says, neither were they united in faith with the ones, Joshua and Caleb, who heard and did believe. Saying the children of Israel, they, they, the Israelites, the, the Jewish folk, they, they're having a belief issue. And because they're not believing, they're not resting. Because they're not believing, they're not resting. And he's warning, don't you make the same mistake. Don't let unbelief, a lack of faith, what are we supposed to be believing in? All of this. This is the gospel. Right there. You're forgiven because of what Jesus did. That's what you're believing in. They wouldn't fully believe in that. They wouldn't rest. They couldn't enter into the rest. They continued to work. They continued to stand under the law. They continued to try to work things out on their own. And he's saying right here, you believe. You are the righteousness of God. It's the bottom line because every time you come back and have a belief problem in this, then you will not pay attention to what, Lord, is your will. Why? Because I'm going to keep trying to work out this issue up here. Don't allow unbelief to get you stuck like the children of Israel did, amen? Somebody say, I will rest. I will rest. Let's keep going. Uh, verse uh, three. Uh, go to the New Living Translation. 
we'll be reading for the next two hours and amplified. Amen. <laughs> it says, for only we who believe, only we who believe can enter his rest. Only, let me say it to you another way. We're taking a little bit of liberty, but follow me. Only we who believe in the gospel can rest in the fact that we're right with God and there's nothing for us to do and will therefore submit ourselves to be transformed. No rest equals no transformation. The law and trying to live by it is not going to transform you. But when I rest in believing in what Jesus has done, now I'm ready to say, Lord, have your way. What do you want to do? It says, for, uh, as, as for the others, God said, in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter into my place of rest, even though this rest has been ready since he made the world. Verse four, we know it is ready because of the place in the scriptures where it mentions the seventh day. On the seventh day, God rested from all his work. Verse five, but in the other passage, God said, they will never enter into my place of rest. Now he's talking about the unbeliever. Uh, verse uh, six. So God's rest is there for people to enter. I think it's very interesting that Jesus said, I am the way. But, you know, we'll talk about that later. But those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they what? Disobey God. They didn't believe God. Verse uh, seven. So God set another time for entering his rest. And that time is when? That time is when? today. You're in the rest right now. But you gotta, well, let me back up. The rest is available. <laughs> but you gotta enter in. God announced this through David much later in the words already quoted. Let me back up with what I just said. The rest exists today. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You're in it. You gotta believe it. He corrected me on that. He said, no, 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 understand. They're in it. They just don't believe it. You're in Christ right now. You're in Christ right now. You're in Christ right now. And Christ is your rest. You got to believe you're there. It's the biggest deception <laughs> that man has ever seen. To be in a place of rest thinking we got to work. Unbelief while in the place of rest causes me to work. And when I go to work, then God says, hey, I got to take my hands off. You are in Christ. Therefore, you're in the place of rest. Now, the question is, will you believe it? Let me make that really practical for you. So that means you don't worry. That means you don't doubt. That means you don't fear. Worry will try to come up. But then you stand and say, God has not given me the spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. Doubt will try to come in, but then you doubt your doubts. Fear will never have a foothold in the life of someone who is resting. So I don't worry about the health issues that they say I got. I don't worry about the financial issues. 
I said, I don't worry about the financial issues. I said, I don't worry about the financial issues. I said, I don't worry about the financial issues. God has a way. Y'all don't, don't believe what I'm talking about, y'all. Y'all just see it's 8 o'clock and y'all like, mm. I said, God has the way. And the way has been provided. And when you believe in the way, you will enter into his rest. And then when you're in his rest, he will be able to speak clearly to you. And sometimes he'll tell you to do this. And sometimes he'll tell you to do that. And sometimes he'll tell you to just continue to thank and praise me. And he will get to work on your behalf. Because he works when you rest. And while you're resting, rest doesn't mean inactivity. Rest means I will trust him while I do what he says to do. Rest is I will continue to remain at peace in joy in this place of obedience. Rest is a place that you have to go to here and say, I trust God. Let me tell you what rest does. When you trust him, then you allow him to engage in the affairs of your life. Won't he do it? Won't just be a saying. It'll be a way of living. Because you will see that he has already done it. And when you are resting, you say it's already done. And when the pressures of life, especially those financial pressures, I'm talking to somebody, try to come in, you will be reminded that I am resting. I'm trying to tell y'all how we live, not what we just think. I'm trying to tell y'all that it was, it was $50,000 that was needed for something, and I'm trying to tell y'all it just showed up the other day. Oh, no, you, you think I'm playing. This business account said one thing, and me and a leader saw it with our own two eyes. And then we made a phone call three days later and somehow the account had increased by the exact amount that we needed it to, which was $50,000. But I didn't freak out when they said, this is what we need. I didn't freak out when they said, that's the goal that you have to achieve. I said, Lord, you know how to do it. Now you tell me what to do. And I followed every step. See, it's not about inactivity. It's not about sitting and crying. Wipe your face up and get up. Because sometimes we hide behind those tears and then you, well, this is how I feel. Shut up and get up and quit all that stuff out because that's just fear and doubt that you've played that game all your life. And that's why you can't hear from him because you, all you can do is hear you. Get yourself together and rest. Because all hell is going to try to break loose. Folks going to get sick. This is going to happen. That's going to happen. All the stuff going to happen around you to start messing with your mind so you don't hear what he says to do. And I, in the midst of all that mess, over the last three or four months that's happened in our lives, I just continue to hear what he was saying to do. And every step of the way, just obeyed him. Never lost sight or track of what he was saying to do. 
And just three days ago, look back at that same account. It had increased by $50,000. The leader asked the person who reported it, said, are you sure? She said, yeah, I'm sure. I said, are you sure, sure? She said, yeah, I'm sure. I just talked to that leader today. He said, I don't know what happened. I said, I do. I rested. And God's will is done because he got something for me to do. And he will always make sure that provision is there for what he's told you to do. Now, I don't know what part of what I did activated that money to come in. I don't know. Was it the report I turned in? Was it the thing we put online? Was it the video over here? Was it the phone call? I don't know. I don't care. It's there. See, that's what happens when, when, when the manifestation comes. You don't care how I got there. You just say, glory to God, it's there. And, and, I, and I thank you, Lord, that it's there. And that's the promise of the life of the believer who will get into his will. His works will be produced in your life, and these works then will bless others. That $50,000, that ain't for me personally. That's, that's kingdom money to go and bless others all around this world. Amen. See, you got to understand, there's some natural things that are happening, and then there's some supernatural things that will take place in your life when you rest. We're redoing air conditioners around here, and uh, each one of them costs at least 15000 And we've done so many already. And this one out here started acting up. It was going to affect the uh, rooms where the daycare was. We didn't freak out. We said, now, Lord, you know what's in the bank. You know what needs to come. And yet you know what needs to happen with this daycare. So, Lord, we're just going to trust you. It's getting hot. People coming in, oh, it's hot, shut up. Messing, just rest. Lord, what you want us to do? He kept saying, don't do nothing. I was like, Lord, but we got to do something. He said, don't do nothing. Just believe. And it came in and the thing just working. And it's cold and it's cool. And I'm like, Lord, what's happening? He said, that's, that's supernatural. Just, just continue to follow what I'm saying. I'll keep it working as long as it needs to work. You just don't worry, you rest. And it's just thing, guys, after thing, after thing. Y'all just say, well, no, that just happened. No, it ain't no just happening around here. That's my God. Amen. I said, that's my God. Amen. And he'll keep things naturally going, and then he'll bring in the money that does what needs to be done. But then, he, but then you know, we, we get in there, we start messing it up. Ooh, we sure is lucky. That, you ain't lucky. That's God. Well, now, you, you know, we just need to plan, but no, I, I'm a planner. I can plan, 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 plan. And nothing has outdone my God's plans. I'm trying to tell you that the things going on in your life don't have to go on anymore. But the answer is not for you to do more. The answer is for you to trust him. And as you trust him, and discover his will by allowing him to transform your mind, you would discover everything that needs to happen for your life to produce all the fruit that he has for you. Money is not a problem for the believer. Broken stuff 
is not a problem for the believer. Relationships that seem out of whack are not a problem for the believer. Healing is not a problem for the believer. You serve an almighty God who is well able and well equipped to do it all. And I got good news for you. It is finished. So now what you have to do is you got to make a decision. And this is the decision you're going to have to make every day of your life until you settle it. Do I believe what he has done? Bow your heads with me. Father God, we just thank and praise you right now for all that you have finished concerning our lives. We believe in the blood. We believe in the purchase that you made. And therefore, we know we're right with you. Now, Father, transform our minds. Transform the way we think so that we may know your will for our lives. We labor to enter into your rest today. We make a decision that every day going forward, our work will be to trust you. And Lord, we'll be careful to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise for the victory that comes as a result. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God a hand clap of praise. 